following is brought to you by Canyon Ridge Church in Tacoma. For additional podcasts or information on service times and upcoming events, please visit us online at www.explorecrc.com. Good to see everybody. Um, I'm excited for this week's talk. Like, like Andrew said, my name is Josh. I'm a pastor here at Canyon Ridge Church. And I am, we're going to be diving right into the topic of parenting. Now, one of the difficulties with talking about parenting is not everybody in the room are parents at the current moment, but um, you know, we, we do have people who are, have grown kids. We have people that still have kids in their house. But if, it, if that doesn't apply to you, then think about the other ways that you're leading people, whether you're leading employees whether you're lead, mentoring somebody, or maybe you're just trying to lead that two-year-old that's inside each and every one of us and parent that one to parent, bring yourself out of your own selfishness. But we want to focus on parenting today, and, uh, and I have three kids of my own, and so I have you know, three kids that are growing up. They're not fully grown yet, and as I parent them, I haven't been through all of the stages of parenting, so thankfully today I'm not teaching from my experience on parenting. I'm teaching from the Bible, which I think has significant things to say about parenting, and so we're going to go into that. But I, but I do have three kids, and my kids are growing, and they're sometimes a shining example, not always a shining example of what it means to follow Jesus. My son Marco, our, our youngest, he was saying just this last week some things I was really excited about. He said, he said, what did he say? He said, money doesn't make miracles, only Jesus does. And I'm like, yes, he is getting it. Like he is, he is growing up in the faith. And then he said, I only want to do what God calls me to. And I'm like, yes, awesome. Like I'm parenting him well. And then right after that, he says, and God, give my children an iPhone when they're five. And so... You know, like almost, almost there. <laughs> but, um, but he, you know, we, the kids have, have a great capacity to move either towards great things and building a positive character, but they also have a great capacity to move towards selfishness and building a, a, a negative character. And study after study after study shows that it is the parent that is the single greatest factor into which way they will go, whether positive or negative. The parents play the biggest role. And sometimes as parents, we feel more like, like a counselor, and an advisor than a parent. But parents, we are always, will always be the single greatest factor in our kids' development. And so we want to look at parenting today. And I would say that there's three different parenting styles. There's three different ways parents can go. We can go the authoritarian parenting style, and that started really kind of, that's our parents, our grandparents, uh, that th those are the people that experienced this kind of parenting style, and this was basically kind of do it or else, and or else was the motivation to do it. It was kind of that, you know, I'm, I brought you into this world, I can take you out of it. I made you, I can make another one like you. So... You know, that's, that's kind of this, this parenting style. The, the goal of this parenting style is obedience, that, we would, that the kids would, would obey their parents. And a successful display of this parenting would be that um, the kids behaved. So it's behavior modification. 
But the problem is, is that we don't just want the kids to, to stop doing the bad behavior or to behave. We want them to do right behavior. We want them to do the right thing. And so that when they leave our house and the or else is no longer in play, that they're still going to choose to do the right thing. So there's the authoritarian parenting style. And then there's the permissive parenting style. And this one came about more a little bit later in the 1960s with the moral goodness theory and thinking that people are by nature good. And the problem here, people saw, is that kids would misbehave because they lacked confidence. They, they didn't have self-esteem. They didn't believe in themselves. And so the one here was just, hey, let's just get them to like us. Let's just, get, let's just overwhelm them with love and affirmation. And so we'd say to our kids, you're great. You're great. You're good. And we'd, we'd love our kids and we'd try to affirm our kids. And, and so we'd say, Johnny, good job. Johnny, you didn't run to first base. You didn't do all that well. You ran to the concession stand, but great job, Johnny. You, you get a trophy. And so everybody gets a trophy in that. And, um, and so we, we want to love people and help people and, and, and overwhelm them with affirmation. But the problem is that people can go, we can affirm them in one direction, but they could be affirmed in whatever direction. They, that doesn't necessarily say this is the right thing to do, and it doesn't set consequences. And so they can go whichever way they want as long as they just feel affirmed and loved. And so this the goal of this is, is, yeah, that they would just feel affirmed, that they'd feel loved. And a successful model of this parenting would that, the, that be the, the kid is a friend of the parent. We can, but we're not called to be friends. We're called to be their parents. We're called to show them the right way. And sometimes that means consequences that we have to put into place. And so the parenting style that I want to talk to bit to, about today is called biblical parenting. Biblical parenting is that we would train people from the Bible, train our children from the Bible in the way that they should go. That we would teach them who they are in God, in in Jesus, and that we, we would give them the skills and the values they need to make their own decisions. That they would be able to follow what they saw from their heart. We're trying to train their heart. That's the goal of this parenting style, that we would train children's heart so that when they leave the home, they would make the right decisions by themselves. And the successful uh, display of this would be in 2 Corinthians 3.3. 3. It says, you show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry, and in our case, the result of our parenting, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. So my goal for my kids that would be that I can present them to the world. When they graduate high school, I can say I have presented a letter of Christ to the world by virtue of my kids. They are my letter of Christ to the world. That would be the success in biblical parenting. Because ultimately, we're not raising children. You, The parents out here, we are not raising children. We are raising adults, future adults. And I would add future adult leaders. And so we, that's what we want our kids to be. We want to be that when they leave the home, they are going to make the right decision themselves. And so that's, that's what we want. And so I wanted to look at how the greatest leader of all time was raised, and I, of course, Jesus. Um, and we only get one verse on Jesus from the age of 12 to 30. 
we only get one verse, but it's a good verse. And so we're going to look at Luke chapter 2, verse 52. And it reads, And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. And so Jesus grew. We're going to kind of break this, this verse down a little bit. So Jesus grew. The, the word there is for, for growing is that it's kind of like a blacksmith term. It's, it's think of a, of a hot piece of metal, and the blacksmith is hammering on the metal and growing the metal by him hammering on it. Now, sometimes we want to literally hammer on our kids, but um, this is more of the figurative method, that we are hammering principles into their spirit, into their hearts, that we're con- constantly pouring values into them and helping them grow up in the, in the admonition of the Lord, that they would follow his past. That's the kind of growing. So what this means is that parenting can't be accidental. It can't, it's got to be intentional. That we've got to start with the end in mind and say, how are we going to raise our children to be future Christian adult leaders? And that we can grow them into that. And so it's, it's not accidental, it's intentional. And, and we have been given a gift called a child that God has called us to steward. And so we have to steward that gift well. And the verse tells us four ways that we are called to steward that gift. And the first way is that Jesus grew in wisdom. Now, wisdom, the, the definition for that is knowledge of things spiritual and human acquired by experience. Knowledge of things spiritual and human acquired by experience. And so kids are going to start out with their first experience with the experience that you give them. You are going to give them a first experience. And the Bible says that we need to start with, this, with spiritual. In Proverbs 9.10, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So this is not fear like a spooky Halloween fear. This is a fear like a respect and a reverence, that we would respect God as the creator, as the source of every good and perfect gift. And we would turn to God and we would follow his ways because we recognize, just like the song says, that he is a good, good father. That ultimately he is the one that is fathering our, our kids and that we would want to follow him and have our kids imitate us as we imitate Christ. And so we want to follow that. And that's, that's what we, we want to help. But um, what we've seen is that the, the society has turned away from that. Um, we know that, that the Bible gives, gives us wisdom in spiritual matters for identity and values. Those are your first two blanks, for identity and values. But, and those are the anchors of society to hold us to right living but we've seen that society has turned away from that. And so builders, the people that were born in 1927 to 1945, 65% of them were Bible-based believers. And then boomers, the people born in 1946 to 1964, this is my parents, there are 35%, 35% of them are Bible-based believers. Um, busters, which is my generation, people born 1965 to 1983, 16% of them are Bible-based believers. And then bridgers, people that are now the millennials, are born 1984 to present, 4% of them are Bible-based believers. And so we see an exponential decrease in the amount of people that identify as Bible-based believers and Bible-based parenting. And so this has, has had drastic consequences. Uh, as we, we look at the CBS Evening News report uh, recorded that in the 1940s, 
there were seven uh, major problems reported by schools, and they were uh, talking out of turn, chewing gum, making noise, running in the halls, cutting, cutting in line, violating the dress code, and littering. Uh, now, 40 years later, uh, that would be the 1980s, and, and the problems were and still are drug abuse, alcohol abuse, pregnancy, suicide, rape, robbery, and assault. A drastic difference. Why? Because we turned away from the anchors in society of, of biblical identity and biblical values. We need to, to instill in our children biblical identity and we need to start with respecting God as the source of our identity. In Genesis 1, God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. And we have so many people who are trying to turn to other things for their identity. They're trying to turn to relationships. They're trying to turn to jobs. They're trying to, I had one friend who, who traveled around the world because he was trying to find himself. As if finding himself was in Beijing or, or Russia somewhere, uh, and that, that's where we, he would find himself, versus finding himself by turning to the one that created him, the one in whose image he was made, God, that he would turn to him. So we've got to turn to God as the source of our identity. If we try to turn to other things, other things are only temporary, and beauty fades, and and jobs change and relationships go up and down. And so if we find our identity in anything else other than in Jesus, other than in God, it will constantly let us down. We'll feel, we'll feel good sometimes when the relationship goes well, and we'll feel bad another time when the relationship goes bad. We've got to find our identity in Jesus. And then also we've got to find our values in Jesus. We've got to find our values and respect God as our creator because God has the blueprints for right living. God as the creator, he knows what we were made for and how we were supposed to live, and so we've got to follow him in what we what we've said. Psalm 23 says uh, he refreshes my soul, or he refreshes my life. This is the one that starts out, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Um, it, it goes on in, in verse 3, he refreshes my soul, or he refreshes my life. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, or I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, he says rod. Now, rod in here, it's a lot of times people reference rod in the Bible. They say that spoil the rod, or spare the rod, spoil the child. And a lot of people are thinking that the rod is like a rod to beat the child with. But in here, in Psalm 23, it starts out, the Lord is my shepherd. He, David is referring to a shepherd's rod. And the shepherd's rod was used to guide the sheep. And so that's why he's saying he guides me and he comforts me. Why? Because the rod here is the, is the rod of God's guidance. God wants to guide our children through the Bible, through, through, him being, through them being in his word. That's what, where he wants to, to guide them and show them. And he would, our children would have comfort, and our children would, would know that things are going well, and that they would lack nothing, and that they would have peace in their lives by following God's word. And so we as a church, 
we want to help you. We want to partner with you in helping to guide your children. And we can have the kids go out and they're playing on an inflatable bounce house today, inflatable obstacle course, which is a lot of fun. But they're going to get a biblical lesson. And we are going to have people, staff, and volunteers that are praying for your kids and that are loving your kids. But ultimately, we can only partner with you for one hour of, a, of the week. And then we can send home some resources. But ultimately, discipleship, helping your kids grow in the Lord, ultimately lies on you. We can't compete with a parent who doesn't care about, about, about the discipleship of their kids. We just can't do, do when one hour what is lacking for the rest of the week. And so you've got to be able to learn, how can I disciple my kids? And there's a, some great free resources, video-driven resources out there. There's the Bible Project, which if you just go on YouTube and type the Bible Project, there's like five-minute videos, so they're super short. They're easy to watch. I've watched them with my kids. They love them. They're well done. And then you can just talk about them afterwards. And if you want any more resources, mark that down in your connection card. And I'd love to send out some links to you if you want to find out some video-driven Bible studies that you can go over as a family. And so we want to help our kids learn values because we know values create clarity and guide our decisions and our actions. In our fast-paced world where we have to make decisions quickly and we can get so stressed about decisions, we need to have some values, core values that our children can turn to that they can make decisions based on those values. When they have those values, they have a criteria by which they can make decisions. And so they can make decisions faster, they can make decisions better, and ultimately they can connect with people better because they know why the de- they made the decisions that they made. How many lives would be saved if young girls had values poured into them that said, no, I'm not going to date this guy? How many lives would be saved if young boys said, you know what, these are not the people that I, that I want to turn to? Just this um, last weekend, um, I was proud of my son in one sense because we wanted to watch Goosebumps 2. You know, it was around, around Halloween, so we wanted to watch Goosebumps 2. But my, my son said, no, there's that scary toy in that movie, and, and I don't want to watch that movie. And my other, my other kids were like, no, Marco, don't be afraid. And don't, we'll just, let's watch the movie. And he said, no, I don't want to. And so he said, okay, I'm going to my room. And he's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to my room because I'm not going to watch this movie. That's awesome. I know that my son is going to stand up and do the right thing, hopefully, um, because he has had some values poured into him to say, no, this is not who I am. I'm not going to partake of this. That's the kind of children I want to raise. That's, kind of, that's the kind of children I want to see our church raising, that they won't be a part of things because they know this is not a part of our values. Can I get an amen? Amen. amen. So we want, to follow the, we want to follow God, and we want to turn to God for wisdom in who we are and in values for right living. We want to follow that. Um, but how do we do this? In Deuteronomy 6, it says um, that, that these commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. We want to put them not just in the behavior, but we want them to be on, on their hearts. Next verse. Um, and then how do we do these? We impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. 
So here are four times that the Bible tells us that we need to impart these ideas, impart God's word to our children. We, we impart them when we sit at home. So like I was talking about earlier, we want to disciple our kids. And I'd love to send out some, some links to things that can help you as a parent to, be, to disciple your kids. So like I said, we can't compete with, with, with the rest of the week. And so um, please, if you need that, we'd love to help you with that. And then, the other, then it also says when you walk along the road. Now, we don't walk along the road very often anymore, but we do do another thing along the road. We drive along the road. And so many times, you know, you're maybe driving your kids to, um, to you know, sports or driving your kids to school or wherever you drive your kids to the store, and we can redeem that time. If you can have worship music. You can have audiobooks, You can have... Um, you know, even VeggieTales has things. So whatever age your kids are, there are so many resources out there where you can redeem the time to be able to ha- put spiritual virtues and spiritual values into your kid. And then it says in the last, when you lie down and when you get up. So this is around bedtime. Parents are naturally closer to their kids around that bedtime. You know, the kids are all crazy running around, and sometimes that gets really hard. But then we see them, and they're, they're, they're in their jammies, and they're going to go to sleep, and we feel closer to them. And that's a time where you can do stories, where you can read a Bible story. Where there's a, um, a Bible my kids love. It's called the Action Bible. Um, so there's just lots of different things. There's Bibles for teens. There's Bibles for young adults. There's all sorts of Bibles that are out there that are directed at different age ranges. So you can do that. And then when you get up, you know, there's not a lot of time in the morning if your family is anything like mine, but you can take a, a minute or two to pray as, together as a family. What, it's not about the quantity. It's about the quality. What are you going to impart into your kids? And so here's, these are some of the ways that we can impart spiritual wisdom, but also it talks about uh, wisdom hum- in human affairs too, kind of that practical day-to-day. So we don't want to just talk about these, the identity and values, but we want to apply the identity and values. And so I want to offer three ways that we can do that. First, we can teach our kids to make, to make their own decisions. As, as when my kids, they, they like to argue or they like to kind of, you know, do other things that are not necessarily the right thing to do. And I can help talk to my kids and help talk them through that and help them pre- and present them options and ways to think about things better. And, and if, I, if I present them some options, if I don't like the option they chose, then I can begin to talk to them about why maybe that's not the best option. Of course, if it comes down to it, I'm just going to say it's my way or the highway because <laughs> I'm your dad. Um, but, I, but I'm going to try to work with them, and I'm going to try to think through things with them because ultimately I'm not trying to raise ch- children. I'm trying to raise future adult leaders who are going to have to make decisions by themselves. Um, another way is you can show your kids how you manage your daily life. Bring them in. When you're doing the checkbook, bring them in, even if it's just for a couple minutes, and show them how you do it. Bring, if you're planning your day, bring them in and show you how you plan your day. There can be power in you instilling this, this value of saying, look, here's how I manage daily things. You can get a calendar, and they can color the calendar, and they can use the calendar. You can buy them a to-do list thing and they can maybe write hey we have here's the the chores you have to do today here's your write your homework down on this but just however you do it just bring them in in simple easy ways that they can learn how to manage daily life and finally and I, th- I would say probably most importantly you can develop a family mission statement 
Your family is your organization, and you are the CEO. And there's no better way to keep people on track than to have a vision and a mission statement. And you could say, this is who we are as a family. I had a phrase that I said, um, Shulkines never give up. And it was just a simple phrase, but now my kids, they repeat it, Shulkines never give up. And so that, that's a value now in them that they're not going to give up. Um, so, so those are some practical ways that we, can do, that we can develop wisdom. But also Jesus grew in stature. Now, Jesus grew physically, and he grew in, in health. He probably, you know, walked around a lot because that's what they did in those days, and they ate pretty well. And so Jesus grew in his body and his mind, and um, he, he grew in health. And so your kids will follow your patterns. If your kids, if you never work out and if you only eat junk food, your kids will do the same. If you work out and if you watch what you eat, your kids will follow you in that. Not completely, as we just had Halloween and a ton of candy, but, <laughs> but they'll try to follow you. And um, I know that, that that's, but I think it means more than that. I think it, this, that Jesus grew in stature. In other words, Jesus grew in maturity. And the maturity is that, um, that, it's in a, some, that we reached an attained state fit for something. That we reached a point where we're ready to be able to do something. That, to me, says purpose. Purpose is one of the best things that you can give your child, one of the best things that you can help them do. Um, and every child was created with a calling. You know, when God wanted to, to create fish, he spoke to water. When he wanted to create a tree, he, he spoke to the land. Now, fish don't need to go to swimming lessons, and, and trees don't need to go to growing conventions. They, they thrive Fish thrive in water, and, and trees thrive in the land. When God wanted to create humanity, he spoke to himself. You see, people thrive in God's presence, and it's in God's presence that we find our purpose. In Philippians 2.13, it says, For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. See, God wants, wants people to come into his presence so that they would be able to find their purpose, so that he would be able to act in them. And so as, as parents, we've got to usher our kids into prayer that we would be in his presence. And so we've got to pray to God, but you've also got to pray to your kids. I went to a friend's wedding several years ago, and so I got to meet his mom for the first time. And my friend's name was Keon, and it was a lot of fun just hanging out with him. But one thing I noticed is that when he picked me up at the airport, his mom was in the passenger seat, and his mom kept calling him Bishop. And I knew look, Bishop is not his name. His name is Keon. So later on, I asked him, I said, why does your mom keep calling you Bishop? And he said, because my mom is calling me what I, what I am striving to be. His mom was speaking. Every time she was speaking to him, she was speaking purpose into his life. She was saying, Keon, you are more than this. Keon, you are better than this. Keon, this is who God has called you to be. Keon, this is what I, what I believe in you, that you can be. And so he wanted to be, be a bishop. And so she was speaking into that. So sometimes I call my daughter uh, Dr. Shulkine because she wants to be a doctor and say, what's up, doc? Uh, but but how, how are we speaking into our kids? Because there's power in words. Uh, what, is, what are the words that you're, are you speaking life 
to your kids? Are you speaking power? Are you speaking purpose into their souls so that when they hear at school so many things that they're not good enough or that they'll never amount to anything or that, that they're, they're somehow less than, that we would be speaking when they come home, that we would be speaking purpose into their lives, that they would find that our home is a place of peace, our home is a place where they can grow, where they can be nurtured to be all that God created them to be. That's what we want because our children have so much potential. And we've got to see our children's potential. We've, we've got to have visionary parenting. I would say biblical parenting, but visionary parenting. Now, let me explain. Now, many of you, when you see this, this is a mango. Um, we love mangoes at our house. Um, and, and a lot of parents, when they see their kids, what they see is they see a, a mango. They see a, a, just a child. You know, a child is helpless. A child doesn't know a lot. And they see a child. But a visionary parent, they don't just see, see a fruit. What they see is, is in, in the mango, they see a seed. And in the seed, they see a tree. And in the, the mango tree, they see more mangoes. And in those mangoes, they see more seeds. And see, a, a visionary parent doesn't just see fruit. They see a forest. They see that their children could impact generations. They see that their children could be one that could not only impact their family, but could impact other people around. That their children could be world changers. And so they are pouring into their children as a result of them seeing that vision in their lives. And because children, like I said, they have so much potential, but they also have so much energy. They have so many things they want to do. And so when kids get bored, they go astray. The Bible says in Proverbs that the, the idle hands are the devil's workshop. That when kids aren't busy, then they, then they will go astray. So we've got to be able to redirect our kids to better things. That, that they would see better things in their life. And so at this church, we're doing a mission trip to Ecuador um, in this next summer. And we're, we're doing all sorts of other things to get kids involved in, in things. And so we have our youth group, and Connor's leading our youth group, and we have our, our children's programming, and we're doing a weekday preschool, and we're doing events, and we're doing ways to get out to, to keep kids busy so that they will be able to focus on better things in their lives. But you as a family can do that too. You can encourage your kids to dream big. Encourage them to, to think big, be, think beyond. Don't squash their dreams. They might say, I want to be Spider-Man. We'll say, that's great, be Spider-Man. Um, because there's going to be so many people that are going to try to squash their dreams. Help them to dream big. Encourage your child to start something new. Encourage them to, to be involved and to get involved and to, to do something that, that to, would be something new. That's an original idea. And, and here's, a, here's a practical way you might be able to do that. Help your, let your children plan something. Let them plan a meal. Let them plan an outing. Let them plan a family activity. And then if you have more than one child, help make them present on why their choice is the best. See, we are training them to be leaders by helping them to get to start taking responsibility now. How can your kids take responsibility in the life of your family? Not just be passive recipients of everything you're doing, but be active recipients. And so Jesus grew in, in wisdom, he grew in stature, and then finally he grew in favor with humans. And in this one, I get a little concerned because sometimes when we think of favor, we can think of, of people-pleasing. And so 
we're not trying to win the favor of people, but we're growing in the favor of people. In other words, we're, we're doing what's right, and we're doing what God has called us to, but we're not doing it so that people will like us. We're not doing it for people's approval. That's not what we're doing. So we've got to check our motivations. But there is something that we want to do. Philippians 2.3 says, Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Better, better than ourselves. Other before self. Other before self. That's the way we want to live. We want to help our kids to grow in favor with other people. Because we want them to know that, that they, they can go and be servants. Just like Jesus was a servant leader, the type of leadership we want to call our kids to is the, is the leadership as, as um, servant leaders. And so, first of all, we want to teach them how to argue, too. We want to teach them how to relate to other people. And so rather than rescuing them, jumping in and rescuing them in an argument, which is what I like to do a lot of times, I want to go and fix things, we, just let our, we can let our kids argue. And, we can, and when they say, um, and sometimes I've, I've tried to do this, it doesn't always work, but sometimes I try to give them words to how to argue. To say, I feel blank when you blank. So when, it, when I feel sad when you take my toy. And they can begin to learn how to argue with each other. Also, you can set an example by apologizing when necessary. That, when, that leadership starts with us showing us, our kids, how we are servant leaders. And so when we apologize to our kids if we said something wrong or we did something wrong, we set an example for them of how to be humble. And then finally, Jesus grew in favor with God. Jesus grew in favor with God. And this is the last one, and this is the only one that we don't have to earn. We don't have to earn favor with God. We already have favor with God. And so we need to show our kids that you are already enough, that you are already good, and that God, and we are going to train you how to grow in the favor of, in favor of, in all the other ways. But you don't have to grow in the favor of God. You just need to accept Jesus. And ultimately, I would say that that's our hope for each and every one of us today, that we wouldn't know that we don't have to earn and do a bunch of things to be able to grow in favor with God. But we just have to accept what Jesus already did for us. Will you pray with me? God, thank you for this message. Thank you for all that you've given, Lord. And I pray that as we go out today, God, that we would grow in, fa- in your favor And that because of that, because we're growing in your favor, Jesus, and because we're following you, because we're finding our identity in you, because we're finding our values in you, because we're finding our purpose in you, God, that ultimately we would follow uh, you, God, and we would grow in all of the other ways that I mentioned. We'd grow in wisdom. We'd grow in stature. We'd grow in our spirit, mind, and body, Lord, because of you as our foundation. Thank you, God, and I pray that we might be able to be the best parents that, that, you've, that you've called us to be as we imitate the best parent of all, you. In your precious name we pray, amen.